This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. I am Josh. With me, as always, are my two partners in crime. Is it three? I guess we would be three partners in crime, the total of us. But you are my two partners in in crime. Chris. Hello, Chris. Hey. <laughs> and Mark. Hello. How are you guys doing? How, how's the week been? Good. Good. It seems like just yesterday we were uh, video chatting and, and recording last week's episode. Um before we get too far, let's drop our email address because I love it. We have been getting so many listener emails. We have a couple more tonight. None of them are from Pate, um, but we love getting emails. So please keep emailing us, k12techtalk at gmail.com. Uh, we've got an international listener email tonight, which is super cool. Um, we're also on Twitter. You can catch us at, at k12techtalkpod. Um, one other thing that I wanted to talk about. And if about, you're real classy, we're on LinkedIn. Ooh, LinkedIn. Um, yeah, that you know that's an interesting social media. And that type. picture looks just like me. Does it? I haven't. I'll have to look closer. Twenty years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's young Chris. That's young Chris before any gray hair, but he still had a, a sweet, a sweet flow, man. I've always had the sweet flow. Um, <laughs> since so- George Cl- middle school, George Clooney, ER. That kind of like the side swoop. Oh, you were a George Clooney hairdo guy? I think so. Still am. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So something that has kind of increased with the, I don't, I don't know how to say this. Something that has made us um, even more busy than we are in the last couple of weeks. We have been, I say we, unfortunately, I don't know that I'm going to be able to make many of them, but we, the podcast have been booked at several upcoming conferences. Um, If you are going to, I guess the first one is going to be, the first upcoming one is going to be K-12-6, right? In Austin, Texas. In a couple weeks. In a couple weeks, Mark and Chris will be there. This will be the first time that Mark and Chris have seen each other in person um, in the great state of Texas. That's a trip, right? Josh, you and I are from Missouri. Small towns in Missouri. Right. Somehow we're on a podcast. Mm -hmm. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Then we meet a guy named Mark from Boston. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're gonna meet. I'm. I'm. For some reason, you're not going with me. <laughs> I'm going to Austin, Texas, to meet Mark. Who to is... meet Mark from Boston for the first time. Austin, Massachusetts. But I have already. I have given you guys places that you have to eat. Right. Franklin Barbecue in Austin. The original is in Franklin, Texas. But you have to go to Franklin barbecue and eat mark make sure chris goes there i'm Uh, gonna be in i'm going for less than 24 hours so i i sorry are you not gonna are am i gonna see you maybe i'm maybe i might i might make an appearance and i think we should unpack this too so so that's happening in two weeks right yeah in may i'm gonna be in new hampshire we're gonna be in new hampshire Mm mm-hmm and the three of us are gonna meet wait 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 back up about two months what there's another one before may right yeah, yeah, just follow oh, yeah. me here. Okay, I'm following you. In May, the three of us are together. I think that's probably going to be the first time the three of us are together. Probably. You think that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because Mark's not going to the next one after. Right, right. K-12-6. 
because why would we do this in chronological order? But so whatever. Mark Mark has said that he's going to pick us up from the airport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to bring us to a remote location yeah. <laughs> and cook us breakfast. Yes. And we're trying to figure out if that's real. You if are he's going to kill us. You are staying at my house. No, cabin. Cabin. We have a cabin in the woods. Which, which is a little right. So that's a little sketch. Yeah. And I'm going to cook you breakfast. Okay. And then we're going to go present to the New Hampshire Tech Conference. Which and I'm super wanna, excited about. Uh, and we're saying this because this needs to be on record. <laughs> if something happens in May, <laughs> this needs to be told to the court, to the people, that we did have concerns that we at least <laughs> joked about. That the search party knows we are somewhere in the New Hampshire is not that big, right? Like it's six miles across or something, Mark. <laughs> you can throw a football. Yeah, it, it's not and it that leaves big. the state. Yeah. So I did say, though, Josh and I have have we have the text message group of the three of us. And then Josh and I still talk about Mark and another one. <laughs> what? So I brought up I asked for pictures of the cabin to try to, you know, just to see. <laughs> Like, we don't know this guy, really. Yeah. And then that's kind of why we set up K-12-6, because if Mark is a killer, knowing <laughs> my hair and what we unpacked just previously, Mark will not be able to resist me in Texas. <laughs> if he's been plotting this and May he, is the thing. you're He's going to kill you in Austin? Yes. <laughs> well, great. I have friends. I have friends that live in Pflugerville. And actually, my wife has family that lives outside of Austin by the... Um, SpaceX location. So um, we've got a couple safety nets in Texas. Yeah. Um, We're watching you, Mark. <laughs> so after K-12-6, before the New Hampshire conference, Chris and are we calling him intern Eric now? Did we make that decision? Y- yes, we did. Okay. So Chris and intern Eric, who's been on the podcast several times, will be at COSIN, um, which is in Austin again. So whatever barbecue places you Texas listeners, we have a good li- a good number of listeners in Texas. I'm assuming some of them are from Austin. Let us know where Chris and intern Eric and maybe Mark should eat while we're there. And maybe me, if I get a chance to come down. Um, I know Franklin barbecue, uh, Rudy's barbecue. Um, what else? What else? Uh, so let us know. K12 tech talk at gmail.com. So then after Cosin. Uh, you've gonna, we're going to have some interviews. You guys are going to do some interviews with some yep. people that Mark is hooking us up with, some friends of Mark. So we're going to get all kinds of crazy stories about Mark and who he <laughs> really is. Um, no, no. <laughs> I get full editing rights. Oh, okay. All right. Um, and then... You only you only edit the ads. I Yeah. So, and then after Cosin, we will be in New Hampshire for... No, well, then we got Midwest Tech Talk Security Symposium in there. I thought that was before Cosin. Oh, that's after. You're right. Yeah. That's in okay. March. Um, so yeah, Midwest Tech Talk Security Symposium. If you're around Missouri, it's going to be in Columbia, Missouri on March 10th, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kickoff event party on the 9th, the evening of the 9th. Uh, so yeah, we've got a packed schedule. And did we ever guess that this podcast with three guys who really don't know each other would... Um, and maybe one serial killer uh, would would garner the attention of these different conferences and have us this Mad busy. Mark, Mad Mark, uh, but we love it. It's awesome. It's cool. We're gonna get out and some see see some people, give away some stickers, and uh, we'll, big we'll, and small. We'll see big and small stickers. 
So before we get into listener emails, Chris, you said you bought or you said we had a new sponsor this week, but I thought you said you had gone out and gotten a new um, piece of apparel for your head. And you said visor. I thought you went yeah. out and got a new visor, like a sun visor. But you're telling me this is a sponsor for the show. I've never worn a visor. Back in the 80s, you didn't wear visors? Mark, do you wear visors now? No. No, it doesn't work well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, visor uh, is going to start hanging out with us. So they're the new proud sponsor of the K12 Tech Talk podcast. Um, if you don't know about visor, you're going to know. Uh, the long story short, you can kind of think through this. If you have a one-to-one program, if you have to manage uh, your district's tech inventory, if you're doing that just with a spreadsheet, um, if you have thousands of Chromebooks or iPads or smart boards, whatever, whatever, Visor can help you with that. Uh, they can integrate with Google Admin Console, pull all the serial numbers in, the MAC addresses, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they can help you with your student help desk. Uh, and they're running a special uh, for these next six episodes, you can get 20% off of Visor um, if you go to visor.cloud slash K12 Tech Talk. Ooh. Holla. Now that's how you do a custom URL. I like it. Do you think they give visors out at conferences? They, If they don't, they are. You know, I think these companies, they don't realize when they sign up to be a sponsor with us, the amount of good ideas that we have for marketing materials is just astounding. Like we should be charging for this. If they don't give away visors at conferences, I mean, that's like a no brainer. No brainer. No Josh, brainer. I, I think you should be their advisor. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. Good I'm one, sorry. Mark. That was great. <laughs> I, I'll I'll take that one, Mark. <laughs> sorry about no. that advisor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where do they go to get a hold of Visor or get that 20% off deal? Visor.cloud slash K12 Tech Talk. Awesome. Um, so let's get into if anybody's curious, because we get we get so many emails um about my bourbon selection. Tonight I am enjoying a fine whiskey from Redline Whiskey Company. It is their uh let's see, it is the finished in maple syrup barrels part of their experimental cask series it is very maple syrupy very very good so if you're yeah send me a bottle we'll drink (laughs) (laughs) i have no shame man this episode is not filmed in dry january no it is not this is now damp february uh i was gonna say something else but it was probably gonna yeah let's just Mm. move on to listener emails i think (laughs) listener email from jeff Let's unpack this one a little bit. Um, he kind of calls us out. So he says good things. He's uh, He supports 9,000 students, 1,000 staff. He's got 14 techs. Um, Man, 9,000 students and 14 techs? They're killing it. Yeah. And then he says this. I have one critique of the podcast. Oh, oh what? Josh. It's Josh, isn't it? <laughs> it just Is it Josh. my drinking habits? <laughs> um, he said as he's been listening through when COVID hit, uh, when quarantine was going on, he thought we were going to unpack all the struggles that we went through and how traumatic that was. Um, and I don't remember this, but I guess instead there's just a big void and uh-huh. we kind of skipped it. Yeah. I remember being depressed. Yeah, I was too. And we just kind of disappeared for that summer. Yeah. So that was pre-Mark. He wouldn't have let that go down. No, that was that other guy. What was his name? Randall? Randall. He had the, he had the hairy feet. Um, yeah. yeah so no, Jeff? We- Jeff, we're sorry. 
and Mark's going to fix it. Mm-hmm. We're going to fix it. Mark's, Mark, you're putting together a series, right, Mark? We're going to do another series, another uh, few episodes where we unpack the pandemic, but also talk about what does recovery look like and how do you get over the pandemic and what is the next step? What's the next phase? We all just went remote, bought a ton of technology, implemented it with <laughs> no advance notice, and now it's our job to sustain that. So we'll do a few episodes on that, interview some cool people, and uh, that's coming up in the next few weeks. Like how cool? Really cool. That's awesome. Mm, yeah, really cool. Cool. All right. What's our next? Uh... <laughs> All right. We got Wyatt um, wanting to talk about esports and and kind of a similar deal. Um, wanting us to unpack a little bit. How do we build our esports program? Do we have esports uh, going on at our school? And again, that's kind of one of those things we used to talk about that a little bit more than we have as of several recent episodes. So I guess I, I, I think let's quickly unpack this. What do you guys do at your school districts? Do you have esports programs? Yes, no, maybe. Unfortunately, no. Um, we I've tried a couple different times. I've got kind of a vested interest in it. My son's in the high school, um, but it's not something that has gained traction. And, and I think it's interesting. I, I don't know if this is the case everywhere, but with clubs anyway, they allow our student council to be the ones that decide on what clubs are allowed to get started or not and have a, official you know, sponsorships from the school. Um, and esports is just one that hasn't had the traction with student council to become a club. Um, I, it's unfortunate. I wish we could do it, but uh, that's just kind of the state of where things are right now with us. Same. We actually, we really want to do esports. There's a few of us who have really talked about it and we've had a few meetings with our athletics folks. Uh, it's just really hard to get the get that off the ground, get the traction for it. And it really needs a, a strong uh, coach and somebody's yeah. going to lead the program on the ground. So unfortunately we don't have esports. but man, if I had somebody who come up and said, I'll, I'll take the reins, I will jump on that opportunity. Okay, Mark, now get ready. Cause this is where Chris makes us look really bad. Uh, should we ed- 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 edit this part out? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we've had an esports program for several <laughs> years now. Um, and as far as getting started, um, the biggest tip I can give as far as technology goes is to try to find a way to double dip that with a grant or with funding. If you can have your esports lab also be your business lab or your graphic arts class lab. PLTW. Um, yes. Any, any, any avenue that you can, you can, you're, I'm going to use this for this during the day and then it becomes available after school for something else. And that that's okay with that grant or with that funding to do that double dipping. Uh, that's, that's definitely the way to go. Uh, we have we have enough kids, enough interests at the high school level that we have a varsity team uh, and a JV team, and we have several things running. So we do. Uh, I know right now we're doing Halo stuff. We do Smash. We do Overwatch, Rocket League. Uh, we've had um, several. This is we we've had a second round of refreshing those computers. Really already? Uh, yeah, and and it's. I think what has helped us uh, is our local community college has an esports program. Um, and typically what, you know, your local high schools do, they try to line up with what the local college is doing. Uh, so when that college announced that they were going to do that and they were going to offer some scholarship opportunities, that really cleared the way for us uh, to pump some funding into esports. Uh, I think too, for us, when we were getting going, uh, it was important. We had some surrounding schools, like our rival schools were trying to get spun up at the same time. Uh, it is cool to face off against your neighbor that you also play in football or play in basketball and get to talk that smack and that rivalry stuff and build that up in esports. 
that went over really well all the way to the board. Uh, the board members, they like hearing that That's we awesome. took down the neighbor. Uh, that kind of breaks down some of those walls that you start seeing esports as this competitive thing, uh, just as you do soccer or any other uh, extracurricular thing. Do you find that do do you pick the the game or does that kind of naturally come out by the people that are joining the team or the people, the coach or the the players? Missouri benefits right now. There's a thing called MOSIF and it's kind of the Missouri organization uh, that started off pretty grassroots, um, but they kind of lead on what games they're going to try to get everybody to do uh, to dictate some of that. But again, we let college kind of like come back to us. Uh, so we look and see what the colleges are going to have the kids play and what's the popular thing for that. So, again, we're prepping them uh, for what college is supposed to look like. How often does the game change? Is it like an annual thing or do you think it's every you playing the same same game for a few years? For the first uh, couple years or seasons, it was just like a seasonal thing. There'd be like a fall round of esports and typically two different games is what we've been doing. Usually it's been Smash on Nintendo Switch. And then something else on computer, uh, if that's Overwatch or if that's Rocket League, those two things have kind of switched back and forth. Oh, I and didn't I know this the, this year. It's been Halo. That's been a new, I guess, a new game. So that's been the the, the trendier thing to play. Wow, I didn't know that console games were uh, were also part of the circuit. That's really cool. Smash yeah, so Brothers, either... yeah, yeah, Smash yeah. Bros is is huge. Yeah, and that's kind yeah. of probably the big one. A lot of times the console stuff is not big. Uh, they 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 want you to play on computer. But we had the coolest story I have is we had a uh, college recruiter come. And I remember talking to the AD about this. Uh, he thought they were inter- He He thought there was an interest in a student for his golf game. And the college was actually more interested in his Fortnite rank. That's, wow. That's awesome. And that was a weird, you know, that's a weird story. Well, so Chris, go ahead, Mark. Are the recruiters finding students through the high school team? Are they finding them separately through like their independent work? Like how are recruiters finding students? Because I feel like with gaming, it doesn't have to be on the field. Like it doesn't have to be through the high school team. There's some tricky stuff to that. But a lot of times, so like you are working on your, and I'm going to botch this up because I'm not, I'm not the esports guy, but your, your username, like your profile, uh, who you are in Overwatch when you're at home playing, uh, you get the login as that as that account when you're at school joining up Uh, with your team. Uh, So that gets to be seen, you know, while at school and away. Oh, wow. So do kids like ever have to be like, I got to change my name because I got to start over. I got to start over again because my outside name is not appropriate. Maybe, maybe Josh would have to. Yeah. But we, we, we benefited. The sponsors we have are all in on doing it. Uh, And again, we, we did get administrative buy-in like they, they support esports. Your your esports teams like they've got jerseys, they've got they've got it all, right? Yeah, we do jerseys. They do the custom mouse pad. Uh, wow. The esports lab is super impressive. Uh, I mean, we have the custom games, or sorry, the the custom computers that the tower has this our our logo on it. That's that kind cool. of stuff. Uh, we so, do an esports. Talking about events, we do an esports expo. That's in March. Uh, we host that at our school, and that's again kind of the uh, the kickoff to the season in the area. Uh, it's always been cool. You get all the local schools to come and these kids make eye contact with each other. They shake hands with each other. It's just like a scrimmage for the day. There you go, Mark. You should come in for Chris's eSports Expo. It sounds fun. So, and I'm I'm fascinated by this because I really, I really want this to happen in our district and it's just so hard to get off the ground. But 
when when the kids walk through the hallways, you know how there's always the traditional like, oh, everybody knows who the football players are. Everybody knows who the, like, is it the same? Does do they have the same like cred within the schools? The the players. I mean, this is opinion and perspective, right? <laughs> and my son is on the esports team. Yeah. Um, I don't well, think sure. His says, dad's a tech director. What do you expect? Hey, he is not in my shadow. <laughs> he thinks he is, but he's not. He shines just fine by himself. Uh, it is seen as uh, activity. I don't think it's seen as sport, uh, but it gets the same kudos. Like, you know, like the kids um, that get like those banners printed, like the the football yeah. players have their yeah. own banners. The esports program gets that as well. Uh, our esports program did well just recently. So the board's recognizing them this month, actually. Um, I don't know if it's as cool uh, as like the football player that's the all star, uh, but it's completely acknowledged uh, at the school as as this legitimate thing. That's really cool. In the well, same, I, I'd say it's cooler than, and my son's also on academic team. I think it's cooler than <laughs> academic team, uh, but not as cool as basketball. Got it. Okay. That's that's where I would go. Is it cooler than soccer? I don't know. We don't have soccer. So. Oh, okay. So I, I went down, I've gone down to Chris's eSports Expo a couple different times. And the first one that I went to, there was a ton of people there. There were colleges there. There were recruiters there. The army was there. And the coolest thing that I remember witnessing was by the end of the day, a college walked up to a kid and more or less offered him a full ride scholarship yep. because of esports, because of how he played that day. Wow. Yeah, that's a true story. That was yeah, wild really too. cool. Really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. The army will be at this expo in March. They're trying to bring their esports guys. Wow. Which is last... wild to think the army has an esports team. Yes. Last time the guys they sent, I'm trying to think if it was. Overwatch or Rocket League, but it was Rocket League, and the army went undefeated. They beat everyone. <laughs> oh, I would hope USA, so. USA, <laughs> beating up teenagers. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. So, yeah, Mark, come on in. I think this is a viable conference for you to go to, Mark. It's free. Okay. Hop okay. on the hop on the K twelve Tech Talk jet, and uh, we'll see you in a couple hours. Um, let's take or, or, let's do the last listener email first. Good. What's an? I need an Australian accent for good, good day. day. Good day. Good day, mate. Mark, what's yours? Yeah, I, I don't think we should do accents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark has that extra uh, HR training and stuff. Always. <laughs> <laughs> He's not from a small town in Missouri. Good day, mate. <laughs> Mitch from Australia, and Mitch, you. He, he he didn't even have any questions. He literally said, "Good <laughs> good day," um, and and let us know that he's listening from Australia. And we thought that was super cool. Uh, he said he's been listening um, every day uh, to and from work, um, and he's almost caught up. He's on episode one hundred and four, and he's happy to see that we're still going. That's a very cool email. I wonder. I wonder if he has kangaroos in his backyard. Like we have deer in our backyards. Yeah, I wonder if. I wonder if kangaroos just like show up in the evenings as the sun is setting on the prairie or whatever. They are they out back. What was the other country? We're like, hey, we have people listening from this country, and then and we made them. Yeah, we probably made them mad. I think it was probably Australia at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, we've done that. We've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Corey was like, he uh, <laughs> strip on the party. <laughs> shrimp on the party. <laughs> Not strip. Shrimp. Chris, yes, that's what I said. <laughs> Strip, uh, strip on the shrimp. <laughs> I was trying to. I was. I was. I was holding back my Australian. 
And I missed the word. That was Corey, right? I think that's he yeah, kept saying. I'm it. sure that was Corey. Yes, while he was chewing runs. Um, let's take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. We'll be right back. Extreme Networks allows for multi-vendor integration into Extreme Cloud. Extreme's extensive multi-vendor management capabilities are unique in the industry, allowing for management of third-party devices such as Cisco and HPE switches and more. Check out Extreme. You can email dmayer, that's D-M-A-Y-E-R, at extremenetworks.com. All right, thanks for sticking with us through that quick commercial about Extreme Networks. Um, I'm an Extreme user. Chris is an Extreme user. Uh, they are, uh, I think I saw a thing on Twitter the other day. <clears throat> they are in either Twitter or LinkedIn because I follow Dominic Mayer, our, the area SE or the area sales guy. Uh, what is it? 48 of 49 football stadiums. Extreme Networks is the infrastructure. Uh, I, th- I found that an interesting stat. So uh, check out Extreme Networks if you're in the market for uh, networking gear, physical networking, or wireless networking. I promise you, you probably won't be disappointed. Um, so if their some, switches ever come in, right? Am I right? I've got my switches in. I don't. You you didn't. Uh, I'm waiting. Let's, right move Let's move on. Let's move. Um, but that's any vendor, right, Aruba? Um. <laughs> So something that came up in discussion today, one of the discussions I was in this week was Google MFA settings. So huge push to turn on MFA for everything that you can turn it on. Um, but it was uh, there was a discussion about the MFA settings in Google. So one of the settings is to allow or disallow trusted devices. And we can talk about that in a second. The other one is kind of like an, a session expiry that after X number of hours or days, your the the Chrome session or the Google session expires and forces a re-login of the account just to make sure the person is still there and using the device and it's not um, that person is is not walked away or not uh, abandoned the device. So the let's let's kind of talk about this real quick, guys. Where do you stand? Let's start with the trusted device setting. Where do you stand, or where do you think schools uh, should be? On where, the tr- the trusted device setting for MFA. I'm getting in my Google admin. Where do you want me to click? Uh, man, I couldn't tell you. Wherever the MFA setting is, there's, I believe there's an option in there to allow or disallow trusted devices. So what the trusted device setting does is when you log in with Google and you uh, it prompts you for the MFA, there, there's an option that says trust this device. And if you take that, if you put a check in that box, it will not prompt you for MFA on that device again, if you log in, because it is a trusted device. So that that option is toggleable by the administrator. So the question is, for it really to be strong MFA, or um, I guess ind- industry standard is the wrong word, but you know that kind of up to par, up to snuff MFA, should we be disabling the allowance of trusted devices? What do you guys think? No. You know, okay, so you're going to take the stance of uh, allowing trusted devices. Yes. So uh, we did. We are allowing trusted devices, and we're doing it for a couple of reasons. The first is we have staff who are using uh, Chrome devices, Chromebooks or Chromeboxes. Yes. And if you don't have that checked off, they have to authenticate with two-step every single time they log in. We have it. We have trusted devices turned on, and they still have to do it every time they log in. There's there's another setting on there. Too. Yeah, it's um, the show prior users or show user. Yeah. Show. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, we, we do it for that reason. And we also do it because, um, you know, you, you, our teachers are mobile. They're moving around the classroom. They're moving around the school. They're on laptops. And uh, if we're going to expect them to have to have their cell phone everywhere uh, and have to use that two-step uh, multiple times, possibly multiple times a day, uh, that's taken away instructional time. So I view this as, while it is a technical consideration, there is an impact on instruction that you have to take in consideration. We also have a lot of buildings where cell service is not the best. Uh, and if I have a teacher who's teaching in a basement classroom and they have kind of spotty uh, connectivity and they're using a, a, a text message that doesn't come through, uh, then we have an even more severe impact on on teaching and learning. So we do allow uh, that trusted devices um, for us. So <clears throat> to kind of talk about, to, to go a little bit deeper, Mark, on that second setting that we referenced. So one, if you allow trusted devices and the, the second setting, I forget what it's called, but it's more or less the the show prior login or show uh, user profile ID or something at the login screen. Yeah, so yeah. What, when we turned on MFA or when we started forcing MFA two years ago, um, we, we noticed right away that on Chromebooks, it prompted for MFA every time. And it's because we don't have that show profile ID enabled. I, I ended up starting a ticket with Google and said, you know, is this the intended behavior? Should this be prompting for MFA every time on Chromebooks? And and support's answer was our intended methodology or our intended outcome for this is if you require MFA and they log in on a Chrome device, it should prompt them every time for MFA. And they quickly said, however, if this becomes a problem, you can go in and you can change this other setting, the show profile ID or whatever it's called, and it will not prompt them for MFA at every login. At that time, we decided to say, well, we're not going to turn that on. We're going to go with the intended behavior. So when a teacher does log on to a Chromebook, it prompts them for MFA every time with us. Now, we do have trusted devices enabled for desktops right now. And there is a similar setting in Office 365. Um, the language is almost identical. It's remember multi-factor authentication, allow users to remember uh, their devices on, uh, remember their authentication on devices they trust. So very, very similar setting on the Microsoft. And in Google Admin, I'm under security authentication two-step verification. And that's where the trusted device setting is? Yep. Yep. Okay, so there is another setting under... I also I'm sorry, allow Chris. user yeah. to trust device. Me and Mark in sync. No, we, we do too. I, I'm just saying... We should, should meet Mark in Texas. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What's that? The old the old <laughs> country and Western <laughs> dual. Just play that sound effect over and over again, please. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, so, so I guess that's worth pointing out too. If you are flustered by the MFA on Chromebook every login, go in and change that uh, profile, show profile ID or show profile picture um, setting. And that, that, that will fix that. Um, so the other setting in that security authentication area is a session expiry setting. The default setting is 14 days. And what this setting is, is it more or less will time out the cached login in Chrome and in Gmail for that, uh, account. And the default setting is they have to re-authenticate every 14 days. So hey, the pause. Yep. Uh, you're talking about always show usernames and, and, and photos? Yes. Is that right? Yes. So that's under Chrome settings device, and then go to device settings. That's where you should be. And then that's under sign-in screen. Say it again. What setting? 
uh, Chrome settings device, and that will get you to device settings and then look for sign in screen. And it says show usernames and photos on the sign on screen. Sign I knew it screen. had something to do with the word photo. Um, so the session expiry, ours was 14 days. I took it down to seven days just to see what happens. I don't think anybody's really going to notice because you figure seven days, that's a week. That's a reasonable time to need to re-authenticate. Have either of you guys looked at that setting or changed that setting at all? Yeah. So we actually, the, the setting is a little different depending on who you are. Um, uh, I won't go into like the details of it, but there oh, are Oh, come some... on, Mark. Tell us. Sorry. All right. Look, well, I'll just be blunt. The most confidential accounts. Sure. Um, there is no saving of the setting. You're logging in with two-step every single time. Oh. Uh, whereas like uh, whereas some of our, our less sensitive accounts, uh, it, it does save. I, I don't remember. It's either 14 or 30 days or something to that effect. Yeah. I so like it. We, we do it differently depending on the level of importance of your account. And you can do that based on role membership, right? Or group member, not group membership, but the what what rights you have assigned to you, right? Yeah. So it, it's you can you can do it by group at least within Google, and this and it's the same with with Microsoft because you have Azure AD. Uh, you can do it by groups. You can do it by OUs. Uh, you know, different settings and however you however you organize your your users, there's a way to have different settings depending. And you base it on OU or membership. So yeah, yep. No, I like it. I, I really like. The idea of the that tiered, you know, maybe maybe your IT department or your dean of students or your administrators, every time they log in, they're going to MFA. Um, I think that that's a good practice to get into. Chris, I guess uh, you I'm have looking for that one. It's under security security authentication, I believe. It's in that same general area that MFA is in. Session expiry, maybe. I say there's another setting too that you really need to have, and that is um, for new users. What's the grace period? Yeah, yeah, uh, I see that and one. that's yeah, and so that one means that when you create a new user, they're prompted when they log in, say, "Hey, you you have a week or you have two weeks to turn on two FA." So you, they don't have to bother you every time they you have a new employee. So that's definitely a, another one as well. Give your new employees a chance to turn on two FA when they first start. So, Mark, okay, so we have had uh, some issues with that. We cannot figure out. If it is two weeks from account creation or two weeks from login, I know the support documentation says two weeks from first login, but we've had some users that I know they they did not go that full two week of grace after their first login and it cut them off at the knees. So I don't know. I'm not real sure how it applies that setting. Have you have you I guess you haven't seen that. I don't I don't know the uh, the answer to that one. Okay. I mean, I know what you're talking about, but I just, I, I think I had the same question too. Is it when the account's created or when they log in for the first time? Right. I'm gonna, I would guess it's when the account is created. So Chris, the setting is under security, access and data control, and then Google session control. Right. And they, yes. the only option in here is session control, web session duration. The default is set at 14 days. You can either, you gotcha. can take, you can take it up to 30 days or session never expires, which I think you'd probably have a hard time arguing that's a good setting. And then there's uh, seven days, 24 hours, 20 hours, 12 hours, eight hours, four hours, and one hour. Um, so I, I think that's probably a good setting to check out and maybe tweak, like like Mark said, based on roles or based on right. OU membership. Um, that's probably worth uh, looking at and maybe making so, a change. So let's talk about ways that 2FA can be compromised. 
Because even though we're talking about different settings to allow it to be either easier or more strict, there are still ways, there are multiple ways that two-factor can be compromised, including, a, you know, stealing of the cookie on your computer. So, you know, what we're talking about are different settings that you can play with. I don't think we're necessarily saying this is how it should be done. Yeah. Um, and as you adjust those security settings, you need to know exactly how it works. And I hate to say this, you, you know, you, you, you do all this work to get two-factor turned on, you're not uh, immune. Uh, you can still have users falling for uh, SMS uh, campaigns yeah. that allow a, a, a threat actor to steal their two-factor authentication or even just a simple pass-the-cookie attack scenario. Uh, you've stolen that authenticated session. Pass-the-cookie, we did that in high school. Um, so I did that yesterday. I don't think it means what you think it means, Chris. Um, yeah, I don't, don't think Chocolate so. Chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> Sure, Chris. Uh, Chris, you're kind of going through this growing pain right now, right? You're you're in the throes of activating 2FA? Yeah, so we got Google 2FA on for every employee um, from super to principal to cook to custodian to tech to maintenance, the whole. If you're an employee, you get it. Uh, I gave a month notice, probably three or four email reminders, and then I turned that bad boy on for all. Did you, Did you do... There, there's one setting that for us like was just uh, incredible, and what it did is is when you do the future date. Yes. Oh. Did you do that? No. You oh. didn't. Oh no! Wow, so you're mean. The, yes. Well, so but what what happens too is is actually the I think that's what you're talking about the session control. You no. can turn no. on two factor. Like I, so I have users that did not turn on two factor. So no. riddle me this real quick. Users that did not turn on two factor. I have them in the two-factor group. It is fully enforced. Yep. But but the last time I did this with just if we we impact this previously, I had just teachers do it previously. Yeah. And there was days that went by before they actually got locked out of their account. Interesting. And that has to be that session control. I'm I'm thinking now. Probably where the the account is cached. That that could be. I'm Mark and I are talking about the setting, uh, security authentication, two-step verification, very at the very, very top there, uh, the checkbox that's checks box. Good Lord. Checkbox that says allow users to turn on two-step right below that. It says on from, and it, it allows you to put in a date and it's a future date. So what it does is the people that don't have it turned on, they get nag notices every time they log in that says, hey, on this date, this is going to be required. You need to turn this on. Go here to turn it on. And then on that date, it turns on. So if that, you're, yeah, that, that was the that was the best. Yes. Best setting we found. Dirt that, huh? The nag sure. notice. Yeah. Yeah. The nag notice. on. I nagged them, but I didn't have Google nag them. We did. Know? We did both. But when when we and I'll admit, we didn't know that was doing that until like probably a month before it went live or two weeks before it went live. When we turned it on, all of a sudden we just saw everybody enabling two factor. Good. Right away. Mark, are are you guys have you hit your date? If yeah. you can say okay. Oh yeah. Oh really? Oh okay. Yeah. No, it was good. I mean we're we're a larger district. So you know we had a very high percentage hit the date just fine. Good. Um but <laughs> you know we had I think it was about 80% turned oh. it on without us. And then uh, on that date about 20% uh of let me put it this way 20 percent of users who actively use their account gotcha uh it was still in the thousands. oh my goodness um <laughs> how many That's... remind remind me how many employees do you guys have um well there's there's employees and contractors and everything so 
Um, I I can't remember the exact number. So I think we had around ten or eleven thousand people turn wow. on two factor on their own, and I think there was about five thousand uh, who did not make the deadline. Uh, of that five thousand, maybe about half were active users. Huh. My nineties doesn't feel so bad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we only had when we turned it on two years ago. We only had one holdout that waited until last minute. Like it it wasn't a protest. But it was a protest kind of thing. Right. Um, but it was it was fine. And and now all of our maintenance folks, all of our subs, all of our bus drivers, um, it's been a little bit of a struggle for maintenance, but they're you know, they're good people. They 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 work through it. It's not a big deal. Maintenance, they are good people. Yep. Um, so yeah, I if if you're not doing it, you should be. Um, it's definitely one of the things that SZA, their report that they were mandated to come up with for K twelve. It's definitely one of the things that's been addressed in there is MFA. Um, so yeah, you, you know, should the, be addressing it. The way we looked at it is, you know, if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? You yeah. have to do it. You yeah. have to turn on two factor for all staff. And, and, you know, that's a good point, Mark. You, you probably have the most support now. Like you have multiple agencies telling you this, your insurance agency is probably telling you this. Your if your state did the the state and local tribal cybersecurity grant, they're telling you to do this. It, it, it's hard to it's hard to make the argument of no, we're not. Three years ago, you could make the argument: this is too much work. We're not doing this. This is an undue burden. You you can't make that argument now. I I really don't see it. Here's here's what I recommend: if you don't have two factor on, look at the calendar. Find the next time the first of the month hits on a Wednesday. That's your date that you want to go live. Why? You're you're it's easy to advertise the first of the month to okay. say, hey, it's going to be February 1st or it's going to be March 1st. Everybody okay. remembers that. Yeah. And a Wednesday is the best day to go live because you have Monday and Tuesday, your last two days to say, you know, to remind people if you need to walk around the building, let them know. You go on live on Wednesday, and that gives Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to to get all the holdouts before the weekend. If you activate it, if you enforce it on a Saturday or Sunday, your Monday morning is going to suck. Uh, and and you're going to have a lot of people at your front door that day, or they're going to be calling you over the weekend. So at least Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that's your cleanup day, and Mark, you're ready to go. That was a really good idea. Chris, mark this down. Give yep, him, I got it. Give him a bonus this week. Um, we might yes. make him. We might scribble, make him. Scribble, scribble. We might make him permanent. <laughs> Scribble, I think, scribble, scribble, scribble. I think that just made you permanent, Mark. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, no, that's a really good idea. I hadn't thought about that kind of timing, but yeah, first day, first of the month on a Wednesday. Does it have to be a full moon too? Would that help? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't thought. Oh, okay. Um, so down this path of MFA, um, if you, eh, we're not even going to get into it. We'll talk about that next episode. Chris, what is our Forda question of the week. The Forda question of the week brought to you by Fortinet, our proud sponsor of the <laughs> 12 Tech Talk podcast. They have the Forda Analyzer. Did you guys know that? <laughs> the Forda Analyzer. You can't make this stuff up. You can't. You, at- <laughs> you can't give them recommendations because they've taken every term. <laughs> it is log management, does analytics, and it's a reporting platform. You can check that out. I'll put a link to the podcast. I'll put a link to that in the podcast description. Did that make sense? Probably yes. not. So quick thoughts and and be kind of top level, whatever on this. Best practices, mark wisdom, tips, 
on how much time you or your team spends on looking at logs? Do you have people that look at reports? Do you look at reports and summaries like big time once a week with your firewall, with your content filter, kind of whatever you want to pack? How do you best approach, man, logs have good data. I should look at that. Um, how much time do you invest into that on a quick level? I mean, we, we can't unpack that fully, I don't think, but unpack that a little bit. Mark looks like he's blo- making... Do you block out time? Do you set up a bunch of alerts in your firewall to tell you what's going on? Mark's making notes, so I'll I'll go first. Um, I get alerts, one. I, that's super easy to do in a firewall. But big picture thing, I think for small districts, and I, I can... When you look at the three of us, I consider Chris, you and I to be small potatoes compared to Mr. Mark. Um, but so, golden. Right. Golden um, small potatoes. Uh, I would go for Idaho, but whatever. Mark's like um, a rugged russet. A russet. A nice russet. Yeah. Still still ticking down. <laughs> um, you ever had I, those potatoes that you left in the pantry too long and they like they grow like they're starting eyes. to... Yeah. yeah. Got, those are called eyes. Yeah. That's Mark. So, okay, back to what I was saying. I think smaller districts, it's harder to dedicate time to something like that because log management or just parsing through logs can be overwhelming depending on how many sources you have dumping into a log management solution or a seam. Um, It's, I think, smaller districts could definitely gain insight by subscribing to a SOC of some sort that either aggregates AD logs, you know, login, uh, bad password attempts, firewall logs, and there's a SOC monitoring that 24-7. Because if you have a staff of four guys who really had, and you have 4,000 users, who's who has the time to to dig into the seam and look at it? Um, that That's my take on this. Yeah, I think it's the same thing. You have a lot of systems that are just, their logs are just massive. And so you can't expect to manually go through logs unless you're looking for, you know exactly what you're looking for. Right. So uh, no, that's where a seam comes in or that's where, and some sort of analyzer, I'm sure Chris is going to follow it up with with a solution to this, but something that's can automatically look through your logs and, and find something. My you only know, nugget, the, the, the best that I know I ever did with looking at logs was, I mean, alerts big time, summary reports big time. If you can spend time on it, do so. Uh, but to have dedicated time, like you're like, hey, Thursday afternoon, that's my reoccurring thing. I'm going to spend 30 minutes to an hour looking at these particular reports, making myself spend time looking at things, uh, doing some log review. I think that's important. Okay, but play devil's advocate on that statement. Say you set your time for Thursday afternoons at 2 to 2.30. At 2.35, if there is an important log hit that takes place, you're not going to see it for the next week. Sure. Right? So to me, that's where that argument, if you've got some money that you can throw at a at a sock that it, that can do that or has the capability to keep an eye on those logs for you that's where i think that money is is well spent in that in that manner very well spent in that manner i agree all right guys any uh any closing thoughts for this week you're shaking your head that makes great podcast trim that right. up yeah clearly <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was episode 107. If you are going to be in Texas, it seems like Mark and Chris and Chris and intern Eric are going to be in Texas quite a bit over the next two months. Uh, we will be in New Hampshire if you're going to be at the New Hampshire. What What is it? The New Hampshire CTO Clinic? Is that what it is, Chris? What's the official term that Neil is bringing? N-H-C-T-O. There you go. 
uh, Neil, I believe, uh, reached out to us and got us coming to New Hampshire. I met Neil at MSI or at the MSI sec last August. Mark, you met Neil in New Orleans, I believe. Um, he was one of the gentlemen that came up to you and introduced himself to you. I did. I did. Um, are you right. guys buying round trip tickets to New Hampshire or just one way? <laughs> we're, we're, we're renting a car back. Um, <laughs> side note, Dimmer. Yes. Um, if you're on sysadmin Reddit, we posted on there. Great discussion going on on there about the last episode that we did. K-12 Tech Pro article that intern Eric wrote. Spectacular. Uh, if you don't check out either of those places, you should. Uh, yeah. And there might be something special coming from K-12 Tech Pro in the near future, too. Uh, we'll probably talk about that at a later date. Uh, mm, all right. Yeah, nice teaser. Uh, all right, guys. Any no final thoughts? We'll wrap it up for episode 107. We Mark, will do that thing. What thing? MFA. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's see, right. see you guys. See, see you guys, guys next week. <laughs> Provision Data Solutions is a proud sponsor of the K12 Tech Talk podcast, and they can take your tech department to wherever you want to go. Speaking of where you're going, let's talk about where we're going. You can hang out with us on k12techpro.com, where we and others post a bunch of K-12 tech-related articles and podcast recaps. We're also going to be hitting the road. We will be at the K-12-6 conference in Austin, Texas, February 22nd and 23rd. We'll be at the Midwest Tech Talk Security Symposium, March 10th in Columbia, Missouri. And we'll be at the Coastal Conference back in Austin, Texas, March 20th through the 23rd. A long ways away, but we'll also be at the NHCTO Clinic in Meredith, New Hampshire on May 4th. We're excited to attend those, and we hope to see you there.